So, you've just finished A Court of Thorn and Roses, and you're craving another fantasy world to devour. Dipsy's got your back. Dive into spicy enemies-to-lovers tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. I gotta tell you that the immersive soundscapes are really what makes a good sexy story different from a not good sexy story because it just like adds like it's hard sometimes in like reading a novel to like get the actual feel of what's going on but when it's like oh we're like at the coffee shop and this is like actually happening it's like very different (laughs) and there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves greek gods and goddesses regency era historical fiction for you sam and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure new content is released every week so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again you can always find something new to explore dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction for listeners of the show dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash just break up that's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash just break up. Dipsy stories.com slash just break up. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like Flipping the switch to not caring, forgiving ourselves in relationship, and communicating when we're not okay. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a doozy. Okay. Yeah. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed in most things, especially not mental health practice. <laughs> yeah. I barely have a driver's license. I mean, I'm a pretty good driver, but I, you know. I would fail a, long- a driver's <laughs> test if I had to take one now. Oh, I could crush a parallel park in my <laughs> okay, sleep. Okay, that's true. Yeah, but, um, oh, thanks for knowing that. Um, but I, you, there was a stage in my life in which I believed that speeding tickets or parking tickets that you got out of state wouldn't be able to find you. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, they do. They do find you. That theory has since been proven wrong (laughs) multiple times in multiple states. So just as a lesson, folks at home um, and also please take our advice as you see fit. We are obviously not fully functioning adults. Uh, So please take our advice as you see fit. And um, we're only here to offer our humble musings so we shed some understanding and maybe some laughs in this incredibly rewarding no, confusing. No, incredibly warning, but mostly confusing thing. There it is. That is love. There we go. <laughs> Only how many times have I done this? <laughs> it's different, okay. though, because there are people watching us. I know. Hi, everybody from home or at home from home. <laughs> yeah, from home. At Hi home. to my wife who's upstairs and to your husband who's somewhere in your house yeah. FaceTiming my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're talking to each other right now. <laughs> that is that is gold is what they call that in the industry <laughs> that's right i gave him the link to this and he was like oh no i'm gonna be facetiming with willow and i was like oh okay 
<laughs> well, you can tell we're like, we're newlyweds still because Willow was like, I don't know how I'm going to FaceTime him and watch your show at the same time. And it was like a, an adorable conundrum. That's very sweet. Yeah. She was going to do it in our living room, which is downstairs, but there, I know that the joy of seeing and talking to each other, their voice would carry. So <laughs> I was like, go upstairs. He's like literally um, outside of the door because my house is a little loaf um, and there's like <laughs> not a lot of space that isn't near other spaces. So yeah, I get it. You might hear him and that's fine. <laughs> um, okay. So what's our check-in topic for this Valentine's Day live show? Galentine, Galentine's Day, Galentine's Galenstein Day. All right. Okay, good Good start. Nailed it. Um, it is actually inspired by a letter that we got from Abby O, who writes from Iowa. Lol, sorry. Which is funny, because like, I, don't, I don't know why you're apologizing for Iowa. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I've had, I've had very good times in Iowa. An ex of mine was from Iowa. Oh. <laughs> don't know what no, to do I- with that information. Well, I thought it was applicable because we're a relationship podcast, but now as I as I say it out loud, I have nothing else to share. <laughs> Great. Okay. Um, and basically, Abby was talking um, with her sister about whether or not there is the one, like the person that you are destined to be with, the person that is perfect for you. Um, and she writes... Um, you know, I've also met people that who have told me that they had zero doubt in their mind when they they met their husband and wife. It's that's not to say that there aren't difficulties in a relationship, but they still never had any doubts that they wanted to be with them forever. So which is it? Should there be any doubts when you find your person? If you fi- if a little bit of doubt is healthy, how long do you date the person until you know? Please help. Well, I think we have answered a similar question in a check-in years ago. Yeah, I like, feel like do it was we like believe in the one. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I th- think my answer is the same, except for a little different in a way that you're gonna hate. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> is it gonna be hippie woo woo? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say this. I the hippie in me. The, the the one who loves, like, the universe and spirituality and things like that um, loves the, um, like, the matching souls kind of bullshit, mm-hmm, you know, the mm-hmm. Emily Bronte quote that is actually about a toxic relationship, you know, <laughs> whatever our souls uh-huh. are made of, his and I's are the same or whatever. Um, and I, there, I'm something about that I'm drawn to because, especially later in my life, as I start to... P- play with the idea of my spirituality and like my path connecting me with my now wife or whatever. Um, That being said, don't worry, I'm a Gemini. So I'm also like a cynic. (laughs) Good. This is the part I like best. (laughs) Twofold. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, And so while I do believe that there are these, these people who maybe I'll call like kindred souls, if not mm-hmm. like, I don't believe in soulmates, right? But like kindred souls, people who's, we always talk about like the view on the world, how each of our views of the world is different from another person's. Um, our understanding of reality is different. And sometimes you meet that magical person where your understandings are common or, or have commonalities, mm-hmm. never the same because everybody's different. So like, I love the idea of kindred souls, Um but it's not the dude who like goes through your phone and punches a wall because you were texting your coworker. Like that ain't it. You know, like that's not yeah. the one. Yeah. 
No, legit. Yeah, I mean, you? you, yeah, you know what my answer to this question is going to be. Um, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, no, there's no, there's no the one, right? Like we are all just people doing our best and, and trying to find someone with whom, like, the world feels better. And yes, and I, the reason that I feel so, um, so much against like this idea of the one because I am always against things that don't set us up for success. And the idea that you are going to like find a person and know immediately that that person is your person. And like, I know that there are people who have that experience, but if it's an expectation, then we are going to like, we're going to fail in it. Right. Because like, yes, so many relationships are slow burns or so many relationships are with people who they were, we had that immediate connection and the relationship became really toxic really fast. Right. Right. And so the idea that like we're destined to be with one person really, you know, clouds our vision when we are trying to look at the facts that we have in front of us really clearly and make really good informed decisions about who we want in our life, who we want to spend time with, who we want to invest energy into. Um, And so like, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's just really, it, it sets us up for failure when we, when we think in that way. I had this revelation too, that, that you might love because it's slightly morbid, like, but it's realistic. (laughs) Uh Um, If we believe in the one, um, granted, there's like so much romance in that idea, but like, it's it's not an abundant mindset mm. and you know what if god forbid something happens to your one you know we are not uh guaranteed anything mm-hmm. i have n- anxiety at night about the little limited time i have with willow you know and god forbid that li- already limited time gets shorter you know mm-hmm. what i mean mm-hmm. and i i know that if our relationship were to end in that way or in a horrible unfair way for either of us like i would want her to go find the next one <laughs> you know what i mean yeah for real it sounds kind of like dark but like maybe there's the one for now and i don't mean that like asterisk like see you later when i'm unhappy but like you know you can find that kindred soul mm-hmm. whatever you're right though i think it sets us up for failure for sure but it's also like does that are we just like cynical and dark? Like what is the what is the abundant point of view of the one, I guess? I don't think that it is abundant, right? It's scarcity. It's a scarcity <laughs> mindset. There's only the one person, right? <laughs> <laughs> and the reality is is that there are lots of people in this world that that will give us, you know, things that we need. Lots of people yeah. in this world where we will find connection. Um and and the idea that we can have, we're not supposed to have any doubts about who we're supposed to be with is like a scarcity mindset too, because like, yes. it's like, no, we all have doubts. Like we all, you know, we all move through this world unsure of what we, what we want, what we need, what we're asking for. I can't guarantee tomorrow. Right. <laughs> like right. it's the reality is, is that we are constantly sort of making things up as we go along. And so I think a much better marker of success is not like, is this person the one, but more of like, can I imagine myself being any happier or more, more fulfilled with a different person or with, or by myself, right? Like that's what it was when I decided that I wanted to propose to Peter was, I was like, I can't imagine a time when I wouldn't want Mm. to be with him, right? Like I can't imagine Mm -hmm. 
a way in which my life would be better without him in it. And so like, Mm. it's important to me to, to keep him in it as much as possible. Right. To like make this commitment and to, to take this step together. Um, but like, did I, do I think that Peter is the one? No, because like, I don't think that there are ones. I think he's a wonderful, loving person and I love him dearly and want him in my life for the rest of my life. But, but there, it's not like our, our two souls were parted in heaven and we came down here trying to find each other. Like, that's just not, <laughs> that doesn't serve me well. I don't well. know. He's so tall and you're so little <laughs> that you guys like, could fit together. To get I am, first of all, you're I am not, not little. little. You're very tall. You're very, actually, every time we don't see each other for months, I'm always like, God, when did you get so tall? I just had this conversation really- with a friend who was like, you're not six feet tall. And I was like, no, I am six feet tall. I just am short compared to Peter. <laughs> so everyone <laughs> thinks that I'm short, but I'm actually tall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to, so a couple things, really the biggest thing that I disagree with is, is the semantics of it. Then, then mm. the word, the one you're right. It just like sets us up for a lot of pressure. And the other thing I want to talk about is going to the idea of being, um, sure about a partner and how you said, like, we're never a hundred percent sure. Mm. I, and I want to reiterate that too. Um, the idea of the one, the person who like completes us doesn't give our partner any grace to be imperfect. You know, mm-hmm. um, our happiness is even, even in relationships, our happiness is a hundred percent our responsibility and not our partners. And I would be, I would be lying to say I'm obsessed with every single thing that my <laughs> wife says or does. Right. Um, you know, I would, yep. I'd be lying if I said that she fulfills all of my needs because it is impossible to fill, fulfill someone else's needs completely. Yeah. But where I, again, return to like maybe a different idea of like, if there was a word for the more present one, the one that I'm choosing now in mm-hmm. this moment with the surety that you were talking about, I, I'm not 100% obsessed with my wife, but I am 100% sure of our shared relationship vision, yeah. um, our yep. goals for our relationship, just like you have said. Um, and I think that's the difference. It's like like you said, I guess. I, I don't think that Willow and I were, you know, star-crossed crossed lovers that were destined to be together, but I do... I have a lot of faith if we want to bring in like some hippie woo words. I have mm-hmm. faith in our shared vision, you know, in the yeah. energy and efforts that we're putting into it. For sure. Yeah. And I, yeah. what I like or what I don't really like about the concept of the one too is that like, you know, I am, I am very um, conscious of like my ability to choose my autonomy mm-hmm. in these situations. Like the, the one, like being fated to find this person, like takes my autonomy. Uh, like autonomy out of the question because like I think it's so much more romantic and so much more meaningful that like every day I choose to be with Peter and Peter chooses to be with me right like every day we're making that conscious choice it's not that like we fell out of the sky and we're destined to meet but no like we are we are actively choosing this every day and that's I think that that's a wonderful thing that that gets lost when we think about like this idea that we have to find the the one person for us, because if we're fated to right. meet and he's my one, then I don't have to try anymore. And I don't have to like, I don't have to make the choice. It's like already preordained for me. Totally. And I, I just think it's much more romantic to be, to, to highlight the ways in which we continue to love each other by making the active choice, despite the fact that there are many other choices out there to be in partnership together. Totally. Totally. I, 
I totally agree. And also, side note, you like 100% unrelated. It made me think about like the idea like that we are our own soulmates, that we are the one starts here. (laughs) You know, I like it. I, I pulled that connection out of my ass. But really, it made me think you were like talking about how you choose to be with Peter every day. And I just had this vision of like, well, what does it look like to choose yourself every day? What does it Mm -hmm. look like to choose? Yeah. To choose yourself today, every day to commit to yourself every day. Um, That's something I really struggle with. Um, How do Mm -hmm. I like listen to that, that soul or that self or whatever every day. Um, So maybe I should think about myself as the one. You should, you are the one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) you're the one too for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not for me though. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's get into our letters. We got some good letters for this show. We do. Heady. I, uh, when Sam and I were prepping for the show, I said, it's like, it's very like heady and heart work (laughs) 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 and heart work. Yeah. All right. The first letter is from Anonymous Anonymous, who is writing to us from a very sad place. Hi, Sam and Sierra. First, I wanted to thank you for all the insight and advice you've given since the podcast started. I went through a breakup about a month ago, and during one of my very down days, I came across your podcast and thought it might make me feel better. I ended up binging your past episodes over the last month, and it's helped immensely. It actually led me to reach out to said ex from a month ago, which leads me to my current headache timeout. When I first read this, I was like, no, 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 we say black your ex. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's like, I'm so thankful that you made me reach out to my ex who is now causing me heartache. It's like, oh, that's <laughs> not exactly what we were going for. Uh, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, to give you some background, I met a guy, we'll call him ex number two, about four months ago through a mutual friend. And he seemed perfect in every way. I had actually just gotten out of a situation with another guy, we'll call him X number one, who I had been seeing on and off for a year, but who I ultimately wanted a relationship with. And he told me he didn't want to pursue anything more serious because he wasn't sure if he saw a future with me. Mm. A few weeks after that conversation, I was out with friends and I met X number two. He was a friend of a friend and we immediately connected and started talking. X number one showed up to the bar where we were at and although he was the one who ended it with things with me he immediately started telling all of my friends that he was upset to see me with a, talking to a new guy i confronted him about it and basically he told me that although he still liked me he still didn't want to be with me i ended up crying and ex number two who i just met that night ended up comforting me and listening to the whole story he said the nicest things to try to cheer me up and asked if he could take me out to dinner because he could tell I was a cool girl who deserved to be treated right. We exchanged numbers and started texting. He took me uh, out to dinner a few nights later and was a complete gentleman, picked me up, paid for dinner. And when I invited him over at the end of the night, he told me he didn't want to just hook up with me, wanted to actually get to know me and hoped that we could go on another date soon. We started spending more and more time together. And about a month later, he asked me to be exclusive. I said yes, but something seemed to change after this conversation. I don't know if it was commitment issues, which I definitely have, if it, I wasn't ready to completely move on from X number one, or if I wasn't sure if he was the one. But 
Once we agreed to be exclusive, I started pushing him away more and more. He would try to progress our relationship by inviting me to meet his parents, want to text all the time, would tell me how much he liked me, etc. Meanwhile, I didn't even tell my parents about him, would go hours without responding, and basically just didn't fully reciprocate his feelings. I could tell how much it was hurting him, but for some reason, I couldn't get to where he was. Eventually, after being a couple for a little over three months, he told me he wasn't sure if he wanted a relationship with me and ended things. We didn't speak for a month, and in that time, I've done spent a ton of time reflecting about our relationship and trying to figure out why I acted that way and what my feelings are for him. I realized I cared deeply for him and wanted to be, quote, all in and wasn't sure why I spent so much time pushing him away before. I don't know if it's, quote, you don't know what you have until it's gone or if I just never really took the time to evaluate my feelings for him until he wasn't there anymore. But I realized all I wanted was him. I reached out to him after a month of no contact and asked if we could talk on the phone. We talked for about 10 minutes, which were mostly spent with me telling him how sorry I was for not giving him my all and and that this time apart made me realize I want to be with him. He told me he still cares about me and had been wanting to reach out too, but that he needed to think about whether he was ready to give it another shot. I told him to take as much time as he needed and to reach out whenever he was ready. He texted me less than 24 hours later to tell me he appreciated my apology, but he didn't see a future with us, but quote, would be willing to try and stay friends if I wanted. The whole time we were together, he was the one who always asked, always said he saw a future with me and that if we ever broke up, he would want to stay in each other's lives as friends. Now he doesn't see that, but he's willing to try to be friends. I texted him a bit to try to get more answers and he ended up admitting that he just doesn't have feelings for me anymore and has truly been happier since we've been apart. I guess my question is, how can someone in 30 days go from being so into you, telling you daily how important you are to them, that they never want to lose you, that they want you in their life always, even as friends, to just being over you. I feel even more pathetic that this relationship only lasted a few months because I feel like I shouldn't be this upset over such a short-term relationship. But I saw a future with him and thought he did too, and now I'm just so upset and broken and feel like I have no one to talk to because my friends are sick of listening. Would love any insight you have of how someone can just flip their feelings off like a switch and how to get over someone you still care about so deeply and who just doesn't care about you anymore. Thanks again for all that you do. I appreciate if you take the time to read this on your show. We're reading it live. (laughs) Yeah, not even just on the show, but in the live show. All right, Anonymous, Anonymous, we are so grateful that you listened, that you binged us, and that you um, found some solace and some help in our prior episodes, and that you wrote us this letter. You, It's obvious that your heart is feeling really heavy right now, and um, you're in one of those age-old, horrible experiences where you... Uh, arguably made a mistake or like changed your mind, put your heart on the line and then had that heart stomped on mm-hmm. kindly, I would argue like respectfully. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you're feeling the burn. You're feeling the burn of rejection of, of vulnerability being, um, I don't not wasted. That's a dramatic word, but like, that's what our minds tell us. Yeah, for sure. You put yourself and, out there and, and it, didn't go the way you wanted it to, right? Like, yeah. And that there is nothing I think more painful than putting yourself out there and and having someone say, "I'm sorry, I'm not interested in it." 
Yeah. Um, and I think Sam and I are going to give you some tough love and we are going to give you some comfort and some affirmation, of course. Um, but we want to give you a little bit of our perspective of this. And I want to say first, like a situation like this, it's really important to remind ourselves that this isn't about blame. Mm. It's about clarity, right? It's not about well, he said this to you before, or you did this and it pushed him away or did it. It's none of that matters because you can't change any of it. Mm -hmm. um, right now, it's important to just focus on what clarity do you have now and how can that change your future actions? Um, because our whether it like you said, whether it's you're afraid of a commitment or because you weren't over X number one, or maybe there's an attachment style going on here. Mm. Um, our actions in relationships have consequences. And that might sound a little like basic or one-on-one, but I needed to learn that. Like I will be <laughs> fully transparent and tell you that I needed to learn that my, the way I treated people could affect the way they felt about me. Mm. Um, and I think sometimes just depending on life circumstances or, or past relationships, um, you don't really learn that lesson until it hurts, until it burns like this, you know? Yeah, yeah um, no. And that's, go ahead. No, I think that that's, that's super real. I think sometimes we get into our minds this idea that like, that love is a static thing, right? That love, you know, when you fall in love with someone or someone falls in love with you, that that like love will always be will always be there. Um, and that, you know, there's nothing that can really happen to change that. But like Sierra said, right, relationships or our actions in relationships have consequences. And the love that we feel for people can change, right? The love that we feel for people can end, it can grow, it can start again. Um, but it isn't, I think what we are often told, which is that like, oh, these two destined lovers, right? We're just talking about this. Like these two destined lovers will always love each other um, even beyond the grave or whatever it is. But like our relationship with people and our feelings for people change based on how those people treat us, change based on the circumstances that we're in, um, change based on the passage of time, right? And so I know that it's really hard to to grapple with, right? It's It's really disappointing sometimes to know that like, yeah, over the course of 30 days, someone can decide that, that we're not for them and that they don't want to be with us anymore. But that's yeah. that's the reality of it, um, which I think is really important for us to remember as we think about how we engage in relationship with other people too, right? Like we need to be doing things that that help to grow our love in the relationship and also support ourselves and and the needs that we have in relationship as well. Yeah. And I think I want to clarify too, looking, you know, you say you use the word light switch um, over the last 30 days, but you were together for three months, you know, and during that time, you admittedly said that you were pulling away, that you weren't engaging, that you weren't texting him back. And I want to just explicitly say it is not wrong of you to do that. You did not, you are not a bad person because you were hesitating to commit to this person. Right. However, 
he has an inherent human right to respond to that treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not, you're not a bad person. You, you're not hurtful. You're not stupid. None of these negative words that might pop into your mind right now, if you're negative self-talking or anything, Mm -hmm. none of that is real. You were, you literally were doing the best that you could. You didn't know how you felt. You were, you know, you were hesitating for whatever reason, but he has a human inherent right to respond to that treatment. And so over those three months, he felt you, this is, I'm speculating, but that's sort of our job (laughs) over the last, you know, the the three months he felt you pulling away. He was probably really anxious because he never knew truly if you cared about him, you know, it got Mm -hmm. to a point obviously that he realized like being with you didn't feel good. Right. And so that's why he, that's why these last 30 days he said he's been happier. It's not that you are undesirable. It's not that he didn't have true affection for you, but whatever dynamics were going on, whatever compatibility were going on in your relationship wasn't serving either of you, right? Mm. You weren't happy either. (laughs) Right. And, you know, and, and I think he got to the point that um, it was worth it for him to break up. And again, I just want to say, we love to tell ourselves that we are the worst person in the world. You, Mm. you, you might regret this behavior, but you weren't, um, you're not a bad person for fucking figuring it the fuck out in the moment. Like we all (laughs) do. Right. I mean, that's just what it is. Is that like, you can't go back and change that. You, you were acting the best that you could. And now, you know, that's why I said, it's not about blame. It's about clarity. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, absolutely. And, and like the, the scenario that Sierra just played out of how he might have been feeling and why he might be in the situation is just one scenario, right? He could also just have a attachment style that likes to pursue people, but doesn't like to be pursued, right? He could just be a mean person. He could be (laughs) dating someone else. He could, yep. Be gay. I don't know. Right. Like there's like so much at play here that we don't know. And I think and I say that not to make you go wild with speculation, but to say like we're never going to know. Like you are never going to know why this happened definitively. Right. You are never going to be able to get to that. And so you need to make sure that the, the healing, right, the closure that you're looking for is not about knowing more, but about embracing the discomfort of not knowing right embracing mm. how it feels to not know and and say like it's okay to not know it is okay for me to not know why he did this because i know that no matter what happened in that relationship that i am not a bad person i know that i didn't do things that are m- like mean or cruel right like I was just doing the best that I could in the situation. He was just doing the best in he, that he could in the situation. And unfortunately, those bests meant that we weren't going to be together. And I forgive yeah. myself for the way that I showed up in that. I forgive him for the fact that he doesn't want to be with me anymore. And I will find a way to to move on because... I literally forgive no one for not <laughs> wanting to be with me. That You said that sentence and I was like... <laughs> <laughs> the audacity that they would not want to be with me. Are you kidding? <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, that's real. Um, yeah, because I think so much, so much of the time we look for closure in like knowing we look for closure in like clarity on things that we will never actually know. But closure is a very different process than that. It is embracing not knowing. It is saying it is okay that I don't know because 
I am still happy. I am still whole. I am still healthy, despite the fact that this person doesn't want to be with me. Yeah. And I'm going to say something totally opposite. <laughs> Great. You should text him 27 times asking him exactly <laughs> no, why. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, write a poem about. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, well, actually, you were talking about how, like, the not knowing, that's key. And I wildly agree with everything that Sam just said. But I, I'm gonna. I want to push a little introspection, right? I want to push, push a little head and heart work. Focus on yourself, anonymous, anonymous. Not about seeking answers from him. Mm. But I did notice in your letter you you used a lot of I don't know if it was this or this. You know when you said when you you pushed him away, you said you didn't know if it was your you were still over you weren't over X number one or if you had commitment issues or issues or whatever. And then you also used the same verbiage um of about learning like i don't know if it was the you don't know what you have until you don't until it's gone sort of thing Mm -hmm. or something else and that kind of stood out to me because um in this opportunity to like unload to two strangers across the world um there there's a little bit of lack of clarity in the motives behind your actions and i just want to say a couple things one Totally understandable Mm -hmm. in, in the times in which I have made decisions that I am not, I was later not proud of or later regretted or whatever sensation you want to apply there. Um, it oftentimes my inner motives were so clouded by whatever else I was paying attention to, you know, like I, I just like, wasn't listening to my inner intuition. I was thinking mm-hmm. about somebody else or being desirable to someone else or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, I just wasn't in tune with why I was doing what I was doing. And therefore my actions weren't aligned with my true desires, mm-hmm. right. Or with my true authenticity. That's when you become, that's when you start betraying yourself in, in, in matters of authenticity is when you're, when you're not in line with, with your motives. Like, why am I doing this? You know, why did I push this good guy away? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I want you to, I want you to focus this next couple months of healing, not on how do I win this guy back or how, how, how dare he, the audacity (laughs) of him to, to change his mind about me. You know, mm-hmm. and I don't even want you to spend the next couple of months thinking like, oh, my God, I pushed him away because I was, you know, he fell out of love with me because I was an asshole, you know, no negative self-talk. Instead, I want you to think about two things. What were my motives? If I if you can't be honest with yourself, then you can be honest with no one. Like be honest with yourself first. And in, and two, how can I accept love sooner what was mm. it in your in yourself that was saying, nope, I don't want this? All And here's the magical thing about this, like, inner self-work. All of your answers are, are good and right and safe, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're—I think we are—our anxiety and our depression and, us, you know, like, the cruelest ways we can talk to ourselves make us think that our mind is like not a safe space for us to explore like our intentions and stuff like that. Yeah. That's but a it great is, point. And you know, but it, but it is if we treat ourselves with love and kindness and compassion and remind yourself that you were only doing the best that you could mm-hmm. and that it's just most important that you gain clarity from this experience mm-hmm. that you understand what, you know, cause if you're hung up on X number one, great, cool. 
Now we have to focus on how do we get over X number one? Afraid of commitment? Great. Cool. There are so many resources that we can, we can dive into to try to like, um, lessen that burden for you. But the inner clarity I think is going to be key here to make you feel empowered through this heartache. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because I, I think that's the really the goal for Sierra and I is that you feel empowered in this, right? That you feel because, you know, having someone break up with you and then putting yourself out there and having that person say, I'm not interested in this anymore can feel like a really disempowering moment because, you know, somebody is making a decision basically on your behalf. But there are things in this that you can find ways to move forward from. And I think Sierra is, has a great example there. Um, and and I think that behavior of noticing, right, noticing our patterns, uh, noticing the ways in which we do things and and noticing the the ways that we feel when we make those types of decisions um, over time helps us to be able to make decisions that are much more aligned with with who we are and what we want. Um, and it takes time for sure. But I think if you can if you can practice that noticing, uh, looking internally instead of externally for this this understanding uh, I think it will really help you both move on from from this guy um, and also, you know, enter into a relationship with someone else with much clearer eyes and, and a clearer heart. Yeah. And let me say one more thing before we close. Um, we talk a lot about how to implement our and honor our own boundaries on this show. Mm-hmm. And I have been trying to I've been trying to talk also about how we can respect other people's boundaries um, Mm. because Mm -hmm. it's a two-way street. You know, we talk so much about like the uncomfortability of saying no or putting up that boundary or, or, or whatever, but it is equally uncomfortable, if not more difficult to often respect other people's boundaries because it really threatens our understanding of comfort and, and of, um, of everything, you know, like even our whole con- our our culture's whole understanding of romance is built on ignoring other people's boundaries. <laughs> when when people are like, you know, Honestly. I'm not interested, and then you like chase them through the subway with a boombox, you know, mm-hmm. that's a terrible example, but <laughs> no. <laughs> this is to say, he is he is arguably kindly expressed his desires, yep. um, and. This doesn't mean you're a bad person. Just be, let's reiterate it. Just because someone doesn't want you doesn't mean you're not a good, desirable person. Mm-hmm. People have the human right to be not interested in us. And we have the human right to go seek love elsewhere. Absolutely. All right. We hope that this helps, Anonymous Anonymous. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. We love you. Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few 
taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month, so I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which (laughs) um, I am never not in slippers. And these are 100% Australian shearling lined clog slippers. And I love that they're slip on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to like take the trash out in them while also like staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right. Our next letter comes from Amy Amy, who is writing from The Void. Hey, Sam and Sierra. My girlfriend and I, both she, her, have been together for 18 months, although she often jokes with part sincerity that it is much shorter. Our story is as complicated as any early mid-20s romance, plus some, so I've simplified this a little without hopefully losing the gist. At the time I met my girlfriend, let's call her Tash. Tosh? Tosh. I would Tosh, like Tosh. Natasha. Yeah, got it. Okay. Yeah, Tash. Tash, Tash, <laughs> Tash sounds like My Minnesota really who... came out. <laughs> no, I was thinking more like a guy who hosts like a, a prank TV show. No, hey, there I'm is Tash. a guy whose name is Tosh O and he does No, no, host... no, no. I'm saying Tash, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying. <laughs> and he like, it's like, it's like jackass. Yeah, got it. He's like I'm a bam. I'm creating a whole reality for Tash in my a, mind. A Bam Magara type person. Got it. <laughs> Like a Johnny Knoxville. Look at me with all of my oh God, knowledge. I had of, a huge crush on him. He is very good looking. Oh God! It is. It was. It was the most shameful 
crush I had in high school. I didn't want to tell anyone. <laughs> Honestly. Okay. I was like, anyway. this man is like eating shit. And I'm like, I would. But he's got a good face. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> to be we'll that shit. What do you with know? that mouth. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. Anyway. Sorry, Amy. At the time <laughs> Sorry, <I> met... <laughs> everyone. <laughs> yeah, right. At the time I met my girlfriend, let's call her Tosh, I was in an open relationship with a guy who we'll call John. John and I had been together exclusively for a year before beginning an open relationship, which I now realize as a sign I was done and looking for a way out. I'm not Mm. saying open relationships, polyamory can't be great and full of love, but this definitely was not. In fact, it became increasingly toxic. The first year of my relationship with John can be characterized as therapeutic Hume codependent. I had relapsed into disordered eating and lost a loved one, and John felt like my rock at the time because I could talk, or more accurately, wallow about these things. In retrospect, this was neither healthy nor helpful for me, and I have since learned more effective ways to ask friends, family, supporters for help. About eight months after starting this open relationship with John, I met Tosh in a bar. As soon as Tosh walked down the stairs into the room, I felt like the world stopped, like everyone around me disappeared. I wasn't even that drunk. And I just knew I had to know her. We danced together and I got her phone number before leaving. We texted a lot after that. Like a lot. We decided to meet up for a game of pool at a bar. We have a great conversation. We have similar values. Not to mention she looks even more beautiful than I remembered when we met up on that date. She And she tops it off by insisting to pay the bill because she had such a great time. It isn't until the second time I see her in person that I tell her about John. Of course, she's already stalked me on social media to know enough by then. But I don't tell her that he lives with me at my family home. Mm. It's not long after this that I break up with John and get to experience the awkwardness and horror of breaking up when you live together with parents involved. I can't imagine. I started going out with Tasha a lot, like three to five nights a week. Late night drives, drinking, clubbing, watching live music, getting hungover coffees. It felt amazing. Despite my judgment of that time now being clouded, I do remember feeling an incredible lightness and freedom when I was around her. Like I had finally found a wild soul that matched mine. This feeling has never gone away. (laughs) Theme, seriously. (laughs) We don't even plan this shit and it just like happens organically. But at the same time, I was trying to hide myself from her, embarrassed about John, my mental health history, and myself, as I became extremely self-conscious. I turned to John again for mental health support. Almost three months after breaking up with John, I went to his house one night in distress and ended up sleeping with him. It's hard to even type this part out because of the shame and guilt and hurt that comes along with doing what I have done to that person. Hmm. I can't even begin to imagine how it feels to be treated the way I treated Tosh. In the morning, I texted her to tell her I couldn't see her anymore. I lied and I told her that I was trying a relationship with someone else. I ended up sleeping with John a couple more times while constantly relying him to back my self-esteem and provide emotional support. My memory of this period is a blur as if I lived outside my body. It wasn't happy. I was just moving through time. It feels like an age, but it didn't last long. I stopped seeing John and we didn't sleep together again, but I still relied on his support through text when I was having a bad day. He was like my personalized crisis support number, although horrifically underqualified. <laughs> then I reached out to it's Tash. Us. <laughs> <It's like> us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then I reached out to Tosh again through Instagram. I had missed her. I missed her smile, her laugh, the way she tied her hair, her brilliant dance moves, and the way we could just talk about anything for hours. She agreed to meet up again. And as soon as I saw her again, it all came crashing back. After the first hello, we were off dancing, drinking, talking for hours, and I took her back to my flat that I'd recently moved into. 
From there, we continued almost the same, although we spent more time on day trips, going on walks and sleeping in together and getting brunch. I didn't tell her anything about John and what happened after I sent that text message, although it Mm. continued to haunt me. I was absolutely in love with this woman, but I was also lying, manipulating and still texting John. For the next year, I put Tosh through hell and back. She would unravel my lies, question my feelings, and worst of all, question herself. She never told me when she caught me out on little lies. She just tried to justify them for me. Eventually, there was an ultimatum of sorts. I had to explain or get rid of John in my life, and I chose inaction. The lies all came out, even though this was far from straightforward. I found it hard to tell Tosh the truth about everything all at once, and it took months to get the full truth out in the open and for me to stop talking to John. I'm sure this piecemeal process of a relationship reconciliation was just as hurtful as the lying and deception in the first place. The final night when it was all out, Tosh broke up with me. We fell asleep in the same bed, and we woke up. We cried, and she told me how much she didn't want to break up. We decided to take some space, but it barely lasted two days because we had so much to talk about and smooth out. That night was almost eight months ago. Since then, there have been many tears shed, many long and difficult conversations, and I have felt vulnerability like I never knew it. I know my pain is nothing compared to Tasha's and that I was, can never fully atone for the harm I've done to her self-esteem in my manipulating and emotionally cheating. When I ask, Tosh reassures me that she wants to put in the work this relationship needs, that she's happy with me, that she loves our life together. All I want is to love Tosh and make her feel loved, to show her I can take care of her, to support her in her endeavors, to watch her flourish and make her as proud of herself as I am of her every day. Each day I get to spend with her is a gift. She supports me through my highs and lows without neglecting her own needs or crossing any personal boundaries. We have come a long way in the last eight months as a couple and rebuilt a strong foundation of communication. But there are still areas that need growth, and that's why I'm writing this novel of a letter to you, Sam and Sierra. I have two questions. First, how can you heal from harming someone else? I struggle a lot with the shame and guilt over my actions, and I find it difficult to talk about. I haven't told anyone about what I've done, and often when Tosh mentions something, I can shut down and retreat inwardly out of shame. Mm. Am I wrong for wanting to heal from the shame? Is this just part of my life now? Secondly, I know Tosh will probably struggle with this for a long time, assuming she continues to want to do the work on the relationship in the future. When she's feeling low about it, she doesn't talk about what she is thinking because there's nothing new to say. How can you support someone you have harmed? Thank you so much for giving your time and considerate responses because I'm really struggling to find a therapist right now. I started listening to you when JVU was in its early days to help me build up my self-esteem. And now, thanks to all of your help, I am continuing to learn so much about me and myself in relationships. Loads of love, Amy. Thank you so much for writing, Amy. I feel so moved by your letter. Um, Even when Sam was reading it, I got chills um i think just as like a side note i think sam and i sometimes get desensitized to or we forget i think is a better word Mm -hmm. to the extreme vulnerability that you all show us um absolutely and i think i just i just feel so grateful to do this i you know i'm so excited to see sam's face and to know that you are all watching um and to know spencer's on there and our partners and um, you know, it's been a fucking long year, even though it's only <laughs> <Jesus> February. <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> and so I just want to take like a moment of gratitude. Um, because wow, like I feel 
so honored to know all of your, all of the things that your friends are sick of hearing about or all of the things that Mm. you wouldn't tell anyone or that you have a hard time talking about it. I think Sam and I just feel so deeply moved and honored um, that we are the receptacle for some of these things that you carry around. Um, It's, it's just so moving. Um, Absolutely. Thanks. Um, And I just want to, I I guess I'll just start (laughs) because a couple of reasons why I think Sam and I are really drawn to this letter. We're just naturally drawn to letters uh, or to, to, to stories in which people have done wrong and feel bad (laughs) because Mm -hmm. it's just one of the hardest things to experience is to be human and to err and then to process that error and try to come to some sort of better understanding of yourself without hating yourself. Like that's an impossible equation, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And, but also I, I feel so like called out in your experience, Amy, of how it sometimes it, it mirrors me in that two things. Um, to this day, two and a half years into Just Breakup, I find it almost impossible to tell people something I know that is going to hurt them. Mm. Um, it is it is one of my, I won't even say flaws because it's not a flaw, um, but it is, or a weakness, but it is just one of my hardest truths. Um, I'm so glad not to be dating anymore because like I wouldn't, I fucking wouldn't want to deal with that live on just break up. You know what I mean? I wouldn't want to have to tell you guys like how badly I am at upholding like my own boundaries or, th- mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you said like, you just shut down that you just can't say it. Um, I just want to like see you in that and say, um, you know, there was a time I was with someone who I loved deeply and knew I needed to break up with them. And I, I would sit and look at them and think like, I'm never going to leave them. (laughs) Never. I literally thought to myself, I'm just never going to leave them, you know, because I couldn't, I would sit, I would practice them at home. I would write down the words. I would Google how to break up with someone. And then I would look at them and think, how could I possibly hurt someone that I love? Like, how could Mm -hmm. I, how can I, the words, I'm only saying this because like, it seems dramatic, but like the, the words literally felt impossible. And I think you're experiencing something like that. A reminder to both of us, they're not impossible. We just believe if we say them, then we will finally be, be figured out for the terrible person that we know we are right. Mm -hmm. That we've got everybody else fooled. But if we say our truth to, to the people we love, then they won't love us anymore. And I want to tell you, Amy, that is a lie. That mm. is a lie that the people who love us know we are imperfect. The people who love us deserve to know us wholly, even if it's hard things to say. Um, and uh, just continuing on another point, I guess, that's connected to that thought process. Um, one of my least favorite things about myself is I can approach most conflict um pretty well but if i feel like um 
if I feel too vulnerable or if I, if it tiptoes into the realm of like, oh my God, they're going to catch me. I'm going to, they're going to figure out that I'm a bad person or whatever. I've shut down. And I'm like, that is not who I am. I, I, (laughs) I don't know why I, I shut down instead of engaging with the tools that I know I fucking have. And I'm just, I'm saying that right now, I guess, because I, 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 I heard that and I read that in your letter and I thought, oh my God, I do that too. And I, and I, and I don't always know why. I don't always know why I shut down. Even me who wants to engage, who like, who deals in her her whole life in this vulnerability. Mm. Um, I think it, I, I, I don't know for you, Amy, but I think it has to do with this deep seated fear of like, if I admit the truth, then, you know, this facade that I've built up isn't gonna work anymore. But I guess I just want to reiterate, like the facade, we are the only ones that believe that there's a facade, (laughs) you know, like all of our loved ones and your loved one here, Tosh knows, right? Um, Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, Like, I think that what you're afraid of in this letter, uh, Amy, is that, that like you've somehow shown Tosh the true you, which is like a horrible, awful, evil human being that is not worthy of love right but that's that's not what happened here right like you are a person who who did some things that were not good right who did some things that hurt hurt someone that you loved but that doesn't mean that you're a hurtful person like that doesn't mean that you're a horrible human right you you are still a good person you are still worthy of love you are still someone who is you know figuring things out like all of us humans are all the time and and I think what I read in your letter is a lot, a lot of shame over what you've done. And the idea that somehow the the things that you've done to Tosh, which were which were bad. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend like lying to your partner or emotionally cheating are like right. things we should be doing, right? Like that's a very much not true. But they don't make you a bad person. They are not a reflection of the the bad person that you think that you are. You have made a mistake as humans make mistakes. And what I what I feel a lot from your letter is this like self-flagellation that is rooted in this like knowing how badly how bad you were in that moment and wanting to punish yourself for it, wanting to say, wanting to like dole out this retribution that that you think that you deserve because you're such a horrible person. But the thing is, is that first of all, you're not a horrible person. You don't deserve to be punished so severely, right? And the second thing is that that I would encourage you to think about when you think about sort of this process that you're going through of just feeling so, so, so awful. I want to ask you who it's in service to. And I think that that's a really important question here because I'm honestly curious, like, you know, you feeling this bad about this, you sort of, um, you know, just this feeling of shame, this feeling of retreating, this feeling of like, of, of so desperately wanting to atone. Mm. Who is that in service to? Because you have a person in front of you who is saying to you, I want to make this work. I want to move towards forgiveness. I want to find a way for us to move past this so that we can be in a relationship eat together in the present, right? Like now, I want to move past this thing that we did. And what you're saying is, I want to sit in this thing because it is make it, because I want to be punished for it. I want to sit mm-hmm. and and every day be reminded of how horrible of, of of a person I am. 
but it's not serving you. It's not serving her. It's not serving the relationship, right? What will serve you is for you to forgive yourself for the fact that you did these things, for you to remember that you are a good person who is worthy of love, who is worthy of this relationship, who is worthy to be in partnership and to try and find a way forward through the bad things that you did so that you can actually do what your partner is asking you to do, which is to come with her into a different future than the, the, the past that you've been living. I remember back in the beginning of the podcast years talking about like how to move on from infidelity and, and what I learned from infidelity, like, you know, in my own relationships and literally like a wiki how page, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I, re- but I remember being like deeply informed by that wiki how page that said like, you know, essentially you have to do two things. You have to change your behavior or mm-hmm. have the behavior changed and move on. <laughs> and I don't mean that so simply, but like you too have to agree that you're moving into a totally different relationship. One mm-hmm. that doesn't look like the one before and doesn't look like the middle ground where you chose to stay together because you breaking up was too painful. No, you're, you're going to recommit no, not recommit, new commit, <laughs> commit for the first time commit in freshly. this new way. Yes. Com- thank you. <laughs> commit freshly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't know that um, I like that, gonna, but I'm going to roll No, I don't it. love it. Commit <laughs> anew. <laughs> Why is that so funny? It's not. Um, you're going to commit to this new relationship that you're entering in together today, right now, under the shared uh, relationship vision that you're going to build together. And in that new relationship vision, there's no, there's honesty, there's trust, and there's also um, an understanding that you will be imperfect and that your job is not to atone for your imperfectness, but instead to allow yourself to be seen fully for the, for the imperfect glory, you know, glory filled human that you are. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I was granted, I should not have been with the person who cheated on me, (laughs) but I was deeply moved by when I was trying to figure out how the fuck to do that. Um, (laughs) I was moved by the idea that like, I couldn't, we couldn't stay here forever. We can't stay in this hurt forever. Mm-hmm. We either have to choose to move on or choose to stay in the hurt. And the hurt is not a safe place to grow. It's not a safe place to be, place to be together. You might as well break up. Um, so like Sam says, it sounds like you and your partner are choosing to stay together and your partner's choosing to move on. The line there's nothing more else there's nothing else to say that Tosh said is so telling to me that like that Tosh has talked this out, right? Tosh is ready to see your love in action and Mm. not to hear about your regret. Um, Mm. One more thing I want to say about like our, you and I as like kindred spirits that like can't say what we need to say when push comes to shove. Um, Something that I have been practicing that I learned from Sam actually is telling myself or asking myself like, what's the worst that could happen if I said what I needed to say, if I said what they're asking me to say, or if I told the truth, the whole truth, what's the worst that could happen? Mm. I'll, I'll paint some pictures. Okay. Tosh just says, I can't, I can't be with you. Mm-hmm. That's painful. Right. But is this sense of, 
like frozen this fragility, this inability to be your vulnerable, authentic self. I bet you anything like that breakup would be so painful, but you would feel free of something. Mm -hmm. You would feel lighter. You would feel at least you would feel proud of yourself. You know, what's the worst that could happen? Um, She learns that you did what you what you already told her that you did Mm -hmm. Um, in more detail. Like that being said, I want to, I should say, if Tasha's ready to let it go, you don't need to share anything else. Mm-mm. You know, sometimes I want to talk things to pieces. Sorry to my wife upstairs. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, if Tasha's ready to move on, then maybe you don't need to to to, to talk about it. But it sounds like your your soul needs to. I've been making, doing a lot of soul talk tonight. How does that make you, you feel? Are. That's great. <laughs> I love it. Uh, um, <laughs> but so what's the worst? Um she knows that you're a flawed human. She chooses to stay with you anyway. Mm-hmm. She leaves you, but you at least know what it feels like to be fully and authentically seen by another human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think I think that that's absolutely real. Um, and I think that that piece around like exactly what Sierra said of like there's there's nothing new to talk about in this situation. I think is important for for you to hear too, which is to say. That when your partner is feeling bad about this stuff, right? Like, again, it's not your job to fix it. It is not your burden to fully atone for the situation. It's your it's your job to recognize that this thing that you did hurt your partner. And that part of what the atonement for that is, is to, to let that hurt play out in the way that it needs to play out, right? It's not about like, oh, let's talk more. Let's talk more. Let's fix it. But instead be sit sort of in the recognition of the fact that like, yeah, Tasha's hurting sometimes because of the things that have happened. And you don't need to fix it in order to atone for the the, the sins of the past. Instead, I think that the thing that you can do in order to support her in this time is to let her be sad, right? <laughs> to To mm. say like, yeah, I see you. I feel you. I know that this is really rough. And I'm I'm here for you if you want to talk about it. And I will I'm here for anything that you need in this moment. Right. And I'm I'm sorry. Again, I'm sorry that I've caused you this hurt. Because I think sometimes where we get into trouble in relationship with people is that especially when we've made a mistake, right? Is that our our impulse is always to want to fix it. Like, let's talk about it. Let me let me help you through this prop, this pain that I've caused you. When really what we need to go away. Right. Exactly. When really what we need to do is to see it and to say, I caused this. I recognize that. I want you to feel this as much as you need to feel it. And I am here to help you through it in whatever way you need. Right. And instead of saying, oh, let's talk about it. Let's figure this out. Let's like, let's move past this pain. I don't want you to feel this pain anymore. When like really the person needs to feel the pain, they need to, they need to feel bad about the thing that you did to them. Mm. And fully seeing that is actually, I think, in, in a third step in the two-step WikiHow article that Sierra read. <laughs> the third one is to say... Google how to break up with someone It's there. Oh, no, no, how to get over cheating. That's what it was. Right. The third one is to say, I see your pain I, and I recognize that I caused it and I'm going to let that pain play out in whatever way it needs to play out, right? I'm not here to fix yeah. it. I'm not here to pretend like it's not happening. I'm not here to try and cover it up or move it into something different immediately because I feel so bad. But instead to say, yeah, 
I'm so sorry that you're hurting. I'm, and I know that this process is frustrating. And I know that I am, and I'm, I know that I'm the cause for that. But I'm here. I want to be with you. I am willing to work on how to figure this out. And and I will be here to sit with you when you're crying, so that you can, you know, feel the things that you need to feel. Right. Yeah. You have anything else you want to add? No. Just, of course, always that we love you, that you, yes. you're not a bad person for doing this thing. You're just a person who oh. made a mistake. Also, I know you're having a hard time finding a therapist right now, but mm. um, if you have the opportunity to find one and the means and, and, and all of that, you know, that's what those mental health professionals are really great for how good it felt to write this all out or maybe not good, you know, but like how good it it felt to stand in that honesty, to stand in that vulnerability, to, to work on that muscle that you're really trying to build that vulnerability muscle. Um, Therapists are great for that. If you cannot find a therapist, I heavily encourage you to try journaling. Um, Mm. If you looking into whether it's like a Google drive doc or handwritten, but just, trying to find a space where you can be open and honest and exploratory with your thoughts about what you feel about this, this, this experience, what led you here and how you can move forward. Oh, another thing. They all come flooding <laughs> it's back. It's all coming at the back. <laughs> yeah. Um, a little bit, a moment of accountability too. Um, our shame doesn't serve our growth our actions do. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when you're feeling, Oh my God, I can't believe I did this or I can't believe she must be hurting so much. I'm such a bad partner. Channel that into a small act of kindness for her. It's not about earning. It's not, it's not about like writing the ship, but it's about shifting that, um, that thought process from a, from a thought process of, of a, a thought process that is, um, purposeless and and not helpful, like a thought process that just says, I'm a bad person, I'm a bad person, to let me channel that anxiety into an act of love, into a into a positive action mm-hmm. instead of a self-loathing one. Yeah, for sure. That would be my other piece of advice. My thing of always pivoting to gratitude, when you're feeling those moments of, oh, I'm such a horrible person and my partner hates me, instead say, I'm feeling this bad because I love this person so much and I'm so grateful that I have someone in my life to be able to love this much and yeah. and practice and practice acting on that gratitude and not on your shame. I agree. All right, Amy, we love you so much. Good luck. Thank you so much for writing. All right. Our final letter is from Achilles Anonymous, who is writing to us from The Void. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I started listening to your podcast a few months ago, and I think you all give really genuine and thoughtful advice. So I thought I might send you a note. I apologize in advance if this is long or full of me rambling. They all are. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. I'm a 20-year-old bi woman-ish and have been dating my current partner, 22, they, them, for just over two years. This is my first relationship and I'm still in shock about how much I care about them and how much I love them. They have been through a lot and are still going through it and I'm incredibly proud of what they are doing now and honored that they continue to allow me to be in their life. In general, our relationship is great. We don't fight often and we try to be cognizant of each other's needs. I have a lot of hang-ups surrounding physical intimacy, even though my love language is physical touch which is wildly vexing, and they are very respectful of my boundaries and try to work through them with me. The problem here is with me, 
Recently, it's been increasingly difficult for me to be vulnerable with them. We have not seen each other since March of last year, thanks pandemic. And with the way that both of our career paths are lining up and my financial situation, it seems like I might not see them again until summer. The pandemic has been hard on a lot of people and in general, we've been fine throughout it. But we've both had our issues with depression and anxiety that haven't been helped by this time. Text communication in itself isn't too bad. We are both generally pretty quick to respond to each other. My partner continues to confide in me and is pretty honest about how they are feeling, even when their depression is getting bad. I try to help, but usually by asking if they need my input, a distraction, or just to listen. I'm not really sure if any of it works, which makes me feel inadequate as a partner, but when I ask, they say I'm being supportive, so I try to believe that. Prior to the pandemic, my mental health was better, so I think that we were both using me as the more stable partner. I got very used to being a protector and a provider, and that's how I feel useful in my platonic relationships and my romantic one. Now my mental health is at a low that I haven't experienced in years, and I can't bring myself to discuss it with my partner. With how bad my depression has gotten, I'm worried about relapsing into self-harming behavior. Most of the time, they ask how I'm doing or what I've been up to. I don't talk about the pain. I either come up with a lie about how tired I am or I just say that I'm good but don't elaborate. I feel like nothing is happening in my life right now while they are doing a lot of things differently. So telling them that most of the time I'm failing at being productive would just come off as pathetic. I also worried that if I'm honest, it would just make them worry about me and they have enough on their mind already. I've tried a few times to be honest about my feelings, but it didn't leave me feeling much better. Before, they could have just held me and made things better, Now, they usually acknowledge my feelings, but not provide as much reassurance as I'm looking for. The most recent time I've tried to be honest and look for the input, they didn't respond until an hour later, switching to an entirely different topic of conversation. I got upset and my partner admitted that they weren't sure if I was joking or wanted them to say something, and they didn't have the energy to figure out if I was actually upset. After that, we reassured each other that we would be more open with how we were feeling and what we needed and what we needed, but it's honestly just led me further into pretending that I'm fine. Mm. When it's too hard to pretend, I just end up giving a quick response or yikes, I know this is bad, just not saying anything and not checking messages for a day or two. I feel like a shitty person and I don't know how to fix this other than getting better at acting like I'm okay. Since Mm. I was young, I've been expected to be emotionally mature and providing for others, sometimes at the cost of my own mental health. I am not good at confiding in other people I know, except for men, which I don't get and will have to unpack later, I guess. When I have been honest with my feelings in the past to people I trusted, they either dismissed or it or eventually stop speaking to me. I don't want this to happen here. How do I let my guard down with my partner? Alternatively, should I just do better at supporting my partner and deal with my baggage on my own? Mm. If you've made it so far, thanks. Hope y'all are well. Mm. All right, Achilles Anonymous, thank you so much for writing and for trusting us with this. Um, Yeah. Do you relate to this, Sam? Yeah, I definitely relate to this. Um, As someone who I think in a lot of situations also feels like the supportive one, right? Like the one yeah. who provides help and guidance and um, people can come to in times of, of need. Um, I also feel like it's really hard to tell people when I'm not doing well um, and when I need support and when I need 
care as well. And I think what struck me, what, what stood out most to me in your letter is, is that story that you told about um, reaching out to your partner and them ignoring and changing the subject mm-hmm. um, and sort of that being the marker for you of, of like, well, this is what happens when I ask for help, right? This is, this is how people respond. Um, and having very similar feelings, especially when I was younger about the people that I reached out to and the way that they responded because I had spent so much time telling them that I was okay, telling them that they could come to me if they needed me, but that I'm doing really great, that it was, it was so surprising to them, right? That I would suddenly be reaching out to them that they didn't know how to respond, right? Like we had created an entire relationship about one thing. And then when I needed help, it created an entirely different relationship, right? It threw a wrench in the way that things were working. For some, in some instances, that was a bad thing, right? It was like, wow, okay, uh, this relationship is clearly one-sided now, <laughs> right? Like, I, I knew it was before, but like, this made it very clear. And in some instances, it was like a, you know, it was a painful experience to have to like stop the machinery of the yeah. relationship, but we got to build a different machine, right? That served both of us better. And it, right, for some people, it was like, they thought like I was being selfish or like they didn't want to handle it this way. Mm-hmm. But for the people who have withstood the test of time, right. Who I'm still in relationship with. Um, it created a better relationship between us because I was able to more be more authentically myself. And so I, that moment I was like, Oh, that moment is, is big. And that moment is like one of those ones that's going to stick with you, right. That you're going to remember in the same way that I remember people in my life, not being able to help me in the moment that I asked for help. But it's not, it's not a definitive moment, right? It is not the only way that your partner can respond. It is not the only way that people in your life will respond to you when you ask them for help. It is just one time that it went poorly. And it, and I think we need to Mm. sort of exercise a little bit of grace and understanding that like it maybe went poorly because neither of you had the muscles, neither of you had the tools to be able to handle it well. I think I'm so glad you said that for my own edification too, because, you know, as an Enneagram too, I love to be caretaking and I don't always know how to like receive it from other people or ask it from other people. Um, And I have this weird hang up about like, oh, if our relation, you know, like your and I's friendship, Sam, like I know I can go to you when I um, need help because it's been set up that way. But I, I have this weird idea of like, well, if we haven't broached that subject, or if I'm the primary caretaker in this friendship dynamic or partnership dynamic, it's, it's hard for me to shift my mind out of that. And even in your and I's friendship, like, I feel like I have to caretake for our friendship by bringing a certain energy to it or, or whatever, which doesn't always allow me to be my like authentic, like, Mm-hmm. low depressed self or whatever. Um, and I get that it's the hang up is a perfect word. Like I, I, I get hung up on the idea like, oh, I couldn't tell. I can't be I can't ask for this from X, Y and Z or I can't tell them that I'm feeling really low or or whatever because it hasn't been pre-established. But that is mm-hmm. such a, uh, a a lie that I'm telling myself um, because a couple things like 
The discomfort of not asking for support is equal to the discomfort of asking, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) me sitting in my pain and and being like, oh, nobody supports me. Um, That pain is is probably more than the discomfort of being like, hey, Sam, I'm having a really hard I need I need you as a friend, like the the discomfort of extending that vulnerability, I should say. Um, And also I'm so grateful you shared those examples because it's just such a good reminder to me that we like to seek those patterns out in the, mm-hmm. in the, you know, like we're like, oh, well, I got dumped twice. So therefore I'm undateable. Like you're mm-hmm. trying to put a pattern onto like the wild expanse that is the universe, you know, <laughs> there's, yeah. there's not those, those coincidences aren't real, you know, or if one person does it, that doesn't mean another person can't, um, fulfill something else for you or or mm-hmm. if that one person is not a great support system once doesn't mean that they can't be um, pushed or encouraged or empowered to be better to to serve your needs you know exactly yep I just I think that rewriting the trajectory of relationships is always challenging um, mm. and you know this happens I think in your instance, but also like, I think throughout our lives, we have times when we need to intentionally redirect a relationship with someone. And it, the thing is, is that it, it requires a really intentional action, which is what I'm going to encourage you to do, right? Like you say in your letter, um, I feel like a shitty person. You're not, first of all, let's just say that explicitly. Mm-mm, you are I a person. I underlined it too. Yeah, right? <laughs> It's like not true. Right. You are a person with needs and feelings. Um, and that's not, that doesn't make you a shitty person. That just like makes you a, a human being. Um, and you say, and I don't know how to fix this other than getting better at acting like I'm okay. And I want to challenge you to say that you don't need to get better at acting uh, like you're okay. You need to practice asking for what you need. And I say practice really intentionally because it's not it's not just like a one and done thing, right? It's not just like a, oh, I did it and 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 now it's it's happening. And I also say practice in a really intentional way because practice is what it is. It is mm-hmm. never a I have never found a way to be good at it. Right? Like I have never found a way to do it in a way that is like perfect and like gets me exactly to what I need and gets me the exact right response that I need. Right. It's a practice. Every time I do it, I learn something different. Every time I do it, I get more comfortable doing it. And so it is an intentional thing that we need to take on to to ask for help from people that we love, to ask for help from our partners. And it gets easier with time, but you never get perfect at it. And you never sort of find a way to always ask for the right thing at the right time. But it does help to the practice of doing it, doing it over and over again, does help it make make it easier, does help help teach our partners how to interact with us, how to help support us, how to identify that we're not just joking, mm-hmm. that we actually really need help, right? Mm-hmm. And and so I just won't, don't want you to get hung up on, I did this one time or I did this a couple times and it went really poorly, but instead would encourage you to recognize that like, yeah, the first time that you tried to I don't know, cook a pancake. It probably didn't go very well, right? Like the first the fr- pancake always sucks. <laughs> always sucks, right? <laughs> like the first time that you tried to say the ABCs, it probably didn't go very well because you didn't you didn't know. You had to learn the practice. You had mm. to like do it over and I over again that. to become good at it, to become better at it. And that's the same thing with these types of relationship issues. Like asking for help 
for many of us is like a very foreign alien thing because just like you said like we've been taught to diminish ourselves we've been taught to serve as caretakers we've been taught to keep the peace and so it is really challenging to learn a new practice to learn a new skill um and yeah we're gonna be bad at it sometimes i'm still sometimes really bad at it oh my god right but at the same time I know now, having done it over and over again, that like just because I was bad at it that one time doesn't mean that the next time I ask for it, I'm not going to be able to do it in a way that's actually effective. I have never stopped thinking of like 10 episodes ago or whatever, you brought up the idea that our parents are all doing their life for the first time too (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know like just because you know like they're they're they are parents of the adult of adult children's for the first time and i have not stopped thinking about that because we have this misconception that like there are good people who just get it and Mm. who these things comes easily to and then there's us broken people there's (laughs) us us broken people who who, oh my God, why don't I understand how to do this? Why am I wired so wrong? What's wrong with me? Instead of saying what's really true, which is none of us are giving are given a manual for how to be a human, right? None of us are given a manual to, to how to deal with our childhood trauma or how to be in a relationship with another person or how to deal with your attachment style, you know, or how mm-hmm. to like apply the perfect, cat eye you know which is very hard (laughs) and um we but we the the idea of i love the idea of of thinking about the first time you did something and thinking about the concept of practice because that's what this is that's what vulnerability Mm -hmm. in partnership is that's what vulnerability in life is and i and i also want to reiterate like um you are not serving anyone especially yourself and your loved ones by not letting them in, by not letting them know you and take care of you and help you carry the burden that is life. Um, You are not saving them from anything either. Mm -hmm. Their Mm -hmm. life would not be made worse or harder because you let them in. Mm -hmm. That is a lie that our anxiety is telling us that we are a burden and and we're not. It is like, like I said, last letter, it is an honor it is an honor to know your deepest, truest, most authentic selves. Um, And another thing that I have obviously been sitting with and thinking a lot with in my life that is um, love and relationships and, um, and not just being in partnership, but being in connection with someone, whether platonically or romantically, it's not about being a perfect partner or a perfect friend. Mm. It's about, the vulnerability of accepting that you and your friend and your partner and your family member are always going to be imperfect, mm. that they are always that we are always going to mess up. And the true vulnerability comes with accepting that, allowing yourself to be seen fully, seeing your partner fully as a flawed person um, and working through whatever that is, working through the nuance and the complication of knowing you're never going to be wholly compatible. Like we said at the beginning of the show, like you're, you're never going to, my, my wife is not responsible for my inner peace and happiness. She's never going to be able to, to, to 
check all those boxes, right? She cannot bring me enough croissants in the morning to make me that happy, you know? Um, She could, though. (laughs) She just hasn't tried. She hasn't tried hard enough. (laughs) Um, So I think I just want you to sit with that mantra, sit with the idea that, like, our mission in life, it, we were lied to. It, it was never to be perfect. Mm. It was always to find peace in our imperfection. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think that that's such an important thing to remember is that like perfection is not the goal, right? It never is. We're not, the, the idea isn't to get to a point where we no longer have needs, where we no longer have feelings, where we no longer have reactions or, or responses to things that we don't want, right? The the idea is instead to build up the capacity, to build up the tools and the resources to allow us to show up in the way that we need to show up in response to, in the reality of those things existing. And, you know, I think that you... Um, you know, you talk about how your partner, even when you tell your partner that things aren't going well, they aren't responding adequately to you. And I would I would encourage you in those moments to explicitly ask for what you need from your partner. Yes. Right? Like there are times when Peter and I will have a conversation and I will be like, Peter, what I need you to say to me is this, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Or he will say to me, what can you please tell me that I am doing this thing right or that, you know, this thing is, is real. And I'll be like, yes, absolutely. And he will be like, yes, absolutely. Here's what I need you to say, or here's what I, here's what you need me to say. And that practice has, has been so beneficial for us because it skips out on the misunderstandings, the misfirings, and it, it helps us to be able to show up for each other in the best way possible. And I think Mm -hmm. that your partner probably wants to do that with you, right? Like, I don't think that they would be in a relationship with you if they didn't want to show up for you and and to help support you in that way. And we can talk about write us back if they don't. And we can talk we can <laughs> we can talk about what breaking up looks like. But if you can ask your partner explicitly, you know, in those moments where you're having a bad day and they can't hold you because you're apart and like, oh, that just breaks my heart that that so many folks are going through that right now. I know. To just say, you know, I appreciate what you said can you just tell me this thing or can you just say this thing or can you just um, lie with me here quietly or can you just like put some music on so we can like do something different or whatever it is that you need and just just ask for it and see how that feels. And and my guess is, is that your partner is going to be able to do that for you and will be grateful for the opportunity to help you in exactly what you need. And I know that can be hard because sometimes we don't know exactly what we need and that's, that's super legit. But in those moments where there is something that you're like, Oh, they just missed the mark or like, Oh, they just didn't give me this one thing. Ask for it. See how it goes. Be explicit. Because I think that helps us to, to, to be better in relationship when we can be exactly who our partners needs in the moments that we can do that. And let me say one more thing. Let me call myself out in the last (laughs) minutes of this episode. I love it. Um, Yeah. Something that us caretakers can do is be really particular um, and hoity-toity about how other people take care of us, right? Mm -hmm. Um, My stress and my anxiety manifest in trying to um, get the perfect thing from my partner or my friends or whatever. Um, and, and, and this is aligned with what you were saying, Sam, about asking, you know, if, if something's off or, or 
trying to ask explicitly for you what you want. Remember that you want to be with your partner, not because they are a perfect replica of you. You want to mm. be with your partner because they bring their own strengths, their own takes, their own understandings of reality, and they will never treat you in a situation the way you would treat someone else, right? Like that's just, yep. you are, you, that is an equation that will not compute, you know? And I have to call myself out on that so much where I think like, oh, well, I would have done this or why didn't you touch me or hug me or why didn't you say this? You know, I want you to say this, but also there's that is actually reinforcing my own defense mechanism of like, oh, no. I don't need anybody to take care of me. No one can take care of me. I'm the caretaker. Like it reinforces (laughs) the narrative that we talked about earlier where Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, because they didn't respond to my call for help perfectly, then it negates their attempt. No, 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 that's not true. Keep yourself open to that vulnerability and keep yourself open to the understanding that other people, no one is going to love you perfectly, but you have to give them a chance. Absolutely. And I also you know, we've been giving a lot of advice in this and I, I just do want to big you up a little bit to say like, you are already taking these steps, right? Like you are already engaging your partner in these conversations and just because they're not perfect and it's not going as well as you might have hoped, doesn't mean that you're not already doing it. And so I want, I want to give you props to say like, you're on the road. You are, you are making this happen. You are already doing the things that, that you uh, need to do to be able to to be in more authentic relationship with your partner. And I, I want you to look at those moments and I want you to to be proud of them. Even if they weren't as successful as you wanted them to be, I want you to look at them and say like, wow, I tried. That was really hard. And I tried. It didn't go perfectly. But like I took the first step. I took the seventh step. I took the hundredth step to get closer to what I need out of this relationship with my loving, wonderful partner and that's awesome. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. That is the, it's, it's amazing to me that you are wanting to be this authentic in relationship and that you're already taking the steps that you need in order to get there. Absolutely. Achilles Anonymous, we love you. We're really grateful. Thanks for writing. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. All right, this brings us to the blind date segment of this episode. Every show, we want to set you up with something that we love. This week, we're going to send you home with... A podcast. Um, It's called Reply All, which is like a very long-running podcast. They talk about a bunch of things, but they are doing a four-episode arc specifically on Bon Appetit and like the (laughs) downfall of Bon Appetit and all of the craziness that happened over the course of the summer, Um, you know, I have friends who were like super into the test kitchen videos and like the fallout of it was just really intense. Um, But I think it's really interesting because what it talks about is sort of like the mistakes that were made in order to get to that point. And what I really appreciated also is that um, it interviews folks who talked about their experience. It interviews folks of color specifically who talked about their experience at, at Bon Appetit and the way in which like unspoken racism, unspoken misogyny plays out in the workplace and how Mm. internalized that can become and how normal Mm -hmm. it can feel. Um, It was just such a stark uh, representation of like the things that that we are being called on to challenge. Um, And I just really appreciated the, the perspective of that and the nuance with which they're telling the story about Mm -hmm. how, um, 
how the realities of systemic racism can sometimes be so ingrained that we don't notice that they're happening, even if we are, <laughs> even if we are affected by them. Um, right. And it's just a, it's a fantastically reported. What I also appreciate is that they the only people who they interview and they show on the 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 podcast are the people of color who were impacted by the realities of of what was going on at Bon Appetit, which I just think is like such a a, a quality journalistic decision. Um, yeah, and it's I just been, that. it's been really interesting to listen to. Uh, so check that out. It's the reply all podcast. Um, and specifically it's a four episode arc called the test kitchen. Awesome. Can't wait to check that out. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And also thank you so much for joining us on this live taping of this. Um, Spencer has been texting us updates of, of what's going on in the chat. And like, it sounds like it's a wild time. So I'm glad that you all were willing to pay to be here and also that you are all engaging with each other in the, that conversation. Um, uh. It honestly just makes us so excited to know that like, that there's a community happening around this work um, and that you all are all loving and supporting each other as much as we love and try and support you too. So thank you so My much phones- for coming. My phone's been on airplane mode, so, oh. so I can't wait to see all those updates. <laughs> yeah, no, I they keep like coming up like at the top of my computer, and I can only read like half of them. But I'm like, it's not. It sounds like things are cool. getting getting, getting really fun. So, thank you so much for doing that. Um, you can like us on Facebook, and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Breakup Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. That's right. Please remember to hit that follow button so that you can get a our episodes on spot exclusively on Spotify every Monday. And consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode, as well as free tickets to our live (laughs) virtual (laughs) recordings. So you spent $5 on this one. Uh, This literally keeps the mics on and it helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. I'd like to dedicate this episode to my new ring light that Sam Blackwell bought me. Uh, thank you because uh, he just did he wanted me to look nice so i did i mean you always look Origin- nice but i wanted people oh, to be you. able to see how nice no you this look. is the nicest i've looked <laughs> since i got married in july <laughs> um all right original music recording editing producing all magical things by our great friend big cats one of the best men i know um make sure to check out his podcast the what if podcast and remember You are not defined by those who cannot love you. You're also not defined by those who can. You are not your mistakes, your regrets, or your trauma. You are a messy, beautiful experiment in humanness. You are in an imperfect masterpiece, whole and breathtaking, even as you become. Take up space. Explore this experience of being human. And if all else fails, just break up.